and i think that's where spirituality really begins you know mm-hmm. and of course we, we have all these tools we have meditation we have yoga we have mantras and we have chanting and all these are tools and then we have the knowledge so i remember reading from ramana maharishi's book that um the, the ultimate thing is self inquiry it's 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 not even a question and an answer because you can you can never find the right answer it's self inquiry so you keep inquiring you need not actually get an answer but the inquiry is always there and that happens even when you're working even when you're talking to somebody even when you're cooking your food you know so that awareness is is what really spoke to me welcome to a curious yogi podcast I'm your host Bobby and these are my conversations with sadhaks, satsangis and other spiritual seekers. Join us as we discuss and discover what it means to live a spiritual life and walk the yogi's path. Each week you'll gain insights into your own practice as we share the stories and wisdom of those that walk the path with us. I'm so delighted you're here. Now let's get curious. I am so delighted to welcome you back to a Curious Yogi podcast. When I reached out to this week's guest, I just knew it would be an eye-opening conversation on spirituality. For me, the curiosity begins with wanting to understand the perspective on sadhana from the viewpoint of an Indian and what it means in the big wide world of spiritual seekers. Today we'll touch on the purpose of life, being brought up in the Jain faith, navigating alopecia, and the joy of satsang my favorite today's conversation is with dr reena deda a homeopathic doctor from pune india where she consults in her clinic and online reena is a meditator hiker and loves to work with holy waters and their healing powers from a homeopathic point of view Believing in a holistic way of treating an individual, she has been practicing and teaching homeopathy, yoga, and meditation for the past 10 years. Along with her homeopathic practice, she collaborates with her international homeopathic colleagues to host healing circles, and she is one of the creators of Unplugged Trails, which hosts meditation and hiking retreats in the Indian Himalayas, as inspired by her personal transformation when traveling through the mountains. So with that welcome Reena. Thank you Bobby. It was an uh, overwhelming introduction. Yeah, and uh, looking forward to having uh, an hour of beautiful conversation with you. Yes, the same. And we've known each other for a little while, probably 3 or 4 years, but we've yet to really connect so i'm just excited to hear your story and yeah to share this time with you yes and i and i want to i want to really um also appreciate uh, you uh, because i've been following you on instagram and facebook and uh, having a look at your videos and i see every day there's a new depth to it and um, i'm also delighted that um, you called me and uh, and I, i want to be thankful that you sort of invited me to talk to you because for me it's also an opportunity to connect with you in a way um 
and yeah yeah thank you so much thank you i really appreciate that um it's nice to know that you know when you put things out into the vastness of the social media and the interweb like it lands somewhere at least so that's inspiring if, if nothing so um, why don't you begin with telling us a little bit about who you are. I know I did give the bio, but you know, who are you? Who is Rina? And how you knew your spiritual life would be different than perhaps those around you when you grew up. You know, when you asked me to do this uh, podcast with you, I sort of was thinking of, you don't reflect so much on your personal journey. So, uh, unless you're, you know, uh, called by someone and you suddenly feel oh my god like uh, did do I really live this kind of life that I'm worth a, a podcast you know like is it uh, like and then I thought yeah you know um, I always remember myself I, I clearly remember I was a kid and I would look at myself in the mirror and I was I would ask myself who is this you know who is this person really is this Rina? Is this only this body? Is this only this face? And I would question my parents. I would question my teachers. You know, wh- why am I called Rina? Wh- why is this body called Rina? And I never really got a satisfying answer. I always thought something was missing in the answers that everybody gave me. Like, you're called Rina because your parents named you Rina. But then I didn't feel that when I looked at myself in the mirror. And uh, it, the mirror thought was like a reflection of me, but I still thought it wasn't, this body wasn't just me, you know. So uh, maybe I was much more than that. And um, what was this I? I always had these questions. Being born in a giant family, um, spirituality comes naturally you know like I, rem- I I remember being raised in like you wake up and you chant a mantra and uh, you do your um, all the we learn all these scriptures and you sort of recite the scriptures once in a day um, and that time as a kid I did it just because I had mugged up the words I really didn't know the meaning behind it so uh, it, it seemed like I was doing because my parents asked me to do it, but it never really, um, I didn't know the meaning. So, uh, so what I did was, as I started growing up, they sort of fell away because my parents thought, okay, she will do what she wants to do. And so I stopped chanting those scriptures and I asked, started asking them, what does this really mean? And uh, it was like, uh, praising the Jain monks. It was reciting the qualities of Jain monks. And uh, it was um, what you should do in life to reduce your karma, be more and more non-violent, you know. And um, uh, you just about what is right and what is wrong, you know. So everything was in in these two lists everything fell in these two categories of this is right and this is wrong but i started noticing my relatives and people around me being uh, you know doing all these wrong things 
which were sort of said in the scriptures that they are wrong and still um they didn't follow the list you know for for me i would idealize people following the list of what is the right thing to do and what is the wrong thing to do and that was such a big you know i open up because uh, you know it's like theory you learn the theory but the brand is different and so i um, i think i since then i started sort seeking people who really could help me with a more deeper understanding um and i remember i met a monk when i was in college and he had just stepped out of his robes um here and there was like a small gathering a private gathering at somebody's home uh and she invited me over she said you know um just ha- you know just come with an open mind and meet him and uh it was you know when you when you meet such people it was really settling to see that he was he was not a monk anymore but he would conduct these joy shops so he was spreading happiness and there was so much freedom it wasn't about doing this or doing that what what you're doing is right or what you're doing is wrong it was it was so much freer to converse with him it was we were openly hugging each other and we were laughing and the jokes you it it was not a constructed box that you know because he's a monk and he's teaching and he's a teacher this is what he was supposed to do it was very very freeing so i sort of started following him for a long time and then when you're starting medicine you sort of you know lose track of your own path and because it's difficult and it involves a lot of studying um it was always there i don't think i lost the touch because i would i would read read his facebook posts and i would um uh, you know sometimes write an email of something that came up in life and that was troubling me and he would give me replies that were like oh wow why didn't i think of it before you know and that kept happening then through homeopathy too because it involves understanding a person and understanding um human beings with what perspective they are living a life or what is the pattern in which you live uh, you look at the world your world view i sort of i think it sort of started building up i i think it was all coming together when i then went start going for hikes uh, in the himalayas and that's where i met uh, rebecca mayank and cora and when i had these conversations with them it it suddenly felt that oh my god you know they are in the right place they are uh, and swami ji had just passed so they were sort of mourning his death and then we went on a hike and um vijay wrote a poem about him and it was so they were so emotional about him and i was so intrigued that you know people are crying for him after a month of his death and uh, you know who is this person uh, what what is he uh, you know teaching and i could also see how the conversations with mayank and uh, rebecca were at that time with malcolm and rebecca so i sort of got intrigued and then i would talk about uh, what's life what what is spirituality in the real sense and that's i think how i got drawn into uh, attending 
uh, Swamiji's satsangs and into Kulu. Yeah. And I think it's still a process. You keep learning every day. You keep uh, uh, applying it every day into your life. It's And it's not something like you have a compartment of a work compartment and, a, you know, a spiritual compartment. It's so practical that you can see and visualize it every day unfolding in you um, and the beauty of uh, you know talking with like-minded people like you or anybody from from Kulu is you you start from the destination right you you sort of and then you reflect on your life's journey uh, so yeah I think it's unfolding every day and it's becoming more and more clearer every day Beautiful. I think that was a long answer. <laughs> no, that's perfect because I mean, how long of a journey is it, you know, that we are walking the spiritual path and I think it's really interesting just to hear both the differences and the similarities of spiritual seekers, like those who are drawn to that deeper truth, like like you said, that's out of the box, that's beyond this like sense of duality which is the right and the wrong which you so beautifully expressed that you felt even as a kid like it didn't make sense but yet um i can speak from my own experience like growing up in the christian faith which also is very much into the right and wrong where i think it's interesting to see where the point where religion and spirituality you know they're obviously interrelated but how they kind of branch off into different directions yeah. so I'm wondering if you could yeah just expand on what you think about the difference between spirituality and religion from like you know mm. the Indian you come from such a religious country also a spiritual country yeah. which as foreigners India is the Mecca where you go as a yogi or a spiritual seeker but there's obviously so many layers beyond what we experience as westerners so where do you think like religion ends and spirituality begins? What I notice here is uh, religion is more about following a certain custom. Like you celebrate a day and you fast and you uh, chant mantras or you do a puja and, or you do a haven and... Uh, it's still the haven is for what or the puja is for what for the la long life of my husband or the long life of my family members or so that we all stay healthy or I want to do this puja so that I'm cured of this particular disease faster, you know, or uh, or, or the puja or, or the thing is. Uh, so that I have all the success in life. Whatever new business I'm starting, it would be greatly successful. It's not bad, but um, personally, for me, uh, it, it's still uh, very superficial, you know. It does not, it didn't sort of ignite something in me that really wanted to, I really wanted to pursue it or be there you know it's it got it got boring and it got very mechanical after some time and i could i could see that even though we all do this even though we know that in india that uh, people 
openly accept the guru and the disciple tradition or they openly accept um uh, the idea that the purpose of life purpose of being born as a human being is liberation not everybody really ends up giving or studying uh, about it you know giving uh, like this is not something that you do after retirement right here when you have uh, like a a good house when everybody around you is settled then the old people what they do is they start becoming more spiritual but uh, or start working on themselves and sort of say i give up this from now i give up uh, this and i will stay by myself i give up this food and you know it will help me reduce my karma i give up this luxury in life and it will help me reduce my karma that happens in old age but for me i thought is it is it is it really this i always it was never convincing for me and when um when i when i was talking to like the people i met in kulu or uh like the monk i met it was a part of it was the center of living your life mm-hmm. it wasn't something that i i would do after i'm 60 or after i'm 50 you know it was the focus of their lives and then they were doing everything else they were working they had their jobs they were you know it uh, like in india if you're very serious spiritually you become a monk and you sort of uh, live a monk's life and you leave everything else you don't you don't have a job and you're just sitting in an in a uh, in an ashram and studying the scriptures but in kulu and when i was with this monk or some other inspired people that i met they did this sort of in the middle of the whole movement you know so they were still in inside the they were the center of this wheel which was still and everything else was still moving but they were really centered so i really it felt that this was this was right for me and i think that's where spirituality really begins you know mm-hmm. and of course we, we have all these tools we have meditation we have yoga we have mantras and we have chanting and all these are tools and then we have the knowledge so i remember reading from ramana maharishi's book that um the, the ultimate thing is self inquiry it's it's n- it's not even a question and an answer because you can you can never find the right answer it's self inquiry so you keep inquiring you need not actually get an answer but the inquiry is always there and that happens even when you're working even when you're talking to somebody even when you're cooking your food you know so that awareness is is what really spoke to me um i felt that it was i knew it all along i just needed a reassurance when somebody pointed out to me and it was like oh yeah i know this you know like uh, visiting kulu and staying there it was like i, I always knew this but just because i wasn't in the right company nobody sort of asserted that to me and that's why it it feels like it's such a part you know i'm not, i don't feel that it's a different life it's the same but it keeps uh the the inquiry is in the center it's uh, you're 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 looking at it from 
uh, a sort of uh, you look at you know you don't um, look at life from being inside the storm but you can actually uh, step outside and look at it um, and i thought that was uh, that helped me i mean that helped me uh, face in in general that helped me to deal with life that helped me to deal with my alopecia when people were uh, talking about it that helped me to be more kind and compassionate with my patients and uh, also in general uh, how i was looking at life uh, earlier when i was going through this rough time and now how i feel about it i find it so inspiring to hear your expression because um i feel sometimes like wow we're i'm at such a disadvantage because as a yogi as if because i'm from canada and in india all indians here their whole from the beginning you hear of atma you know you god is everywhere that's what you're sort of taught but you're so right in your expression that just because you he, list like or hear this information your whole life doesn't mean you actually are getting to the root of it and how rare yeah. is the being like you that that actually was inquiring and had that self inquiring that desire for freedom which you know, as Swamiji so often he says, is so rare. And I also love when you express about like not being in the good, in the right company because good company is everything. And it's so often that people like you or I or those that are like really seeking something, we can't quite put our finger on it, but we always have a sense of difference. Like, oh, like I you know, feel kind of like an outsider because you want something more. It's like that disillusionment. So I always love hearing the expression of the sadhak or the seeker because we're so um, one-pointed in the same way. Like all the paths come to that same middle of the wheel, like you said. And I think that's such an interesting thing about Swamiji's teachings. And I don't know, I haven't had any other teachings from... Um, the Vedas or from non-dualistic philosophy I'm not sure if it's central to that but that like the idea of renunciation like you said like oh that in in more common culture in India the one who's a serious sadhak goes to the ashram but how amazing is is it to know like actually we can live our lives we can have jobs we can even have families or do whatever we don't have to wait till retirement to do that work and and to be in the company of that is so inspiring and to remember that we're not doing it alone, which is, is always, yeah. um, you know, it's like a, we're in this together kind of a feeling. Yeah. And um, you yeah. did touch on um, your expression, you touched on what um, using this work, your spiritual work to navigate the challenges of alopecia and I'm wondering if you could speak to that experience like what that means for you and what that's meant for in your spiritual inquiry yeah I think um, it's it's uh, it's helped me a lot because my alopecia started when I was 13 13 or 14 I just lost my grandfather and it was I was really attached to him and then immediately after I got this viral uh, disease and uh, then 
it started the sort of chronic side effect was some autoimmunity was triggered and I had hair loss and it sort of overnight changed the way I look you know I had these like hair thinning and uh, the 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 ball the ball patches were not as prominent but there were hair there was hair thinning and I could see the first time somebody came to me and somebody new came to me who who I didn't know and the person without even asking me my name or what you do or you know how you are just pointed out at my hair and that was sort of and when you're when you're in 13 14 in the sensitive age of body identification and it was very difficult because I sort of snapshot and I didn't want to go out in public and I didn't want to make, make new friends and I didn't want to attend parties or go to to family functions because I was having this hair loss and my entire teenage to the next 10 years I was trying to save every strand of hair and going through different kind of treatments anybody who met my parents anybody who I met would come up to me and suggest me some sort of hair treatment and I was so desperate I kept doing everything and uh, at some point I started realizing really I mean this is just my hair am I just my hair you know am I uh, can't you see me beyond my hair or my face or, or the look on my face you know like can't you cross that and love or be a friend for who I am as a person and not the way I look. And it was, it was difficult to deal uh, with at that time. Um, but it really sort of changed my whole idea of what identity is or what a person is or, or what, uh, I mean, that made me even think deeper about the purpose of life the purpose of being in this human form is it just about looking good uh, you know cosmetics and I mean it just broke all all those notions and especially at the tender time when you really want to do makeup and hairstyle and you know all that and I would rather tie a scarf and you know go out yeah, that was that was a little difficult it looked very overwhelming at that time uh but it acted as a natural filter because I had friends who didn't look at me for my hair. They loved me dearly. So I, I was fortunate that I could clearly, you know, it was like, you, I don't even have to talk to people. It, it, they look at me and if they approach me with the love, I could sense it. And um, I knew they were my, they were, they, these were the people I would sort of uh, want to look up in life to. And um, so I, I think a friend of mine from South of India, he's very spiritual, even Vijay, they all, uh, I, I spoke to them about my hair and, you know, I decided I wanted to shave off and they also encouraged me to shave off my hair. It took me a few months to convince my parents because being in India, girls not having hair, not getting married was very radical at that time. Um, I think it's more common now, but just five, four or five years back, it was big, it was a big thing. But they were, they they got convinced, and I had my friends shave off their hair for me to support me. 
so I felt it was it was so uh, like I, and then my father you know he complimented me he's, he's saying why did we waste all these years saving your hair when you look so beautiful without your hair you know so it sort of changed the whole you know it just the 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 glass just broke of who you are your body you know it's it's so much beyond that and uh, it helped me even to look at everybody else in that perspective you know it made me more open to you know people can go through stuff and um, i i cannot judge them from what they appear it it was such a big lesson for me at that time and yeah when when we talk about when when we listen to swami ji he always tells us it's not about the form when you are listening to me it's it's so much beyond the body and the mind that we think it's all about you know i i remember that just because i could not portray myself as a good looking female i became so workaholic that i would work like 10 12 hours a day my career was the only thing in my life you know sort of i i never would spend time going out and sitting at a cafe or going to parties because i wanted to shine career wise you know so that was sort of i could when i stepped back and when i really started uh analyzing or looking through my life patterns when you realize oh my god i've been you know like there there was also an incident in my life in my childhood and you sort of just make that as your focus and you sort of live your life around that either compensating it or denying it or hiding it and when i met uh when i met people in kulu or when i met spiritual friends it it just broke all these ideas that i was living with and it just made me realize oh my god i've been sort of looking through this whale and this whale is just something that i constructed in my head because things happened to me and you sort of totally learn to de-identify yourself from these stories like people judging you talking about you uh, uh you know talking about how you look and talking about how you are still single at 35 not married you know it really doesn't these all are so it they look so superficial when you're rooted in your sadhana when you're deeply stable in your sadhana yeah and it also you see it's kind of like an expose on just the nature of the mind that the nature of the mind is superficial because everybody sees the external they see you as married or unmarried they see you as hair or no hair and that's kind of where the mind stops yeah. and starts for so many people and i loved when you expressed about like how it almost became like this gift that you be ha- developed this sense of awareness to be able to discriminate right away when people would come to you like is this person meeting me with love or is this person meeting me with judgment and how rare that is for people that are still so bound and stuck in the identification which could come with you know the most beautiful hair in the world but could actually make somebody be the most bound in the ego right and yeah, it's yeah. Uh, such a beautiful expression about you know becoming egoless also 
I'm just like reflecting back also when you um, were talking about the monk and you said he was had the shop of joy. And I just feel like that with you, that you also have this shop of joy that I'm sure you bring to those friends that you said love and adore you and also your patience. And can you speak to like how, you know, your spiritual work and your life weaves into homeopathy and into medicine and that aspect of your life, you know, because you've gone through this personal growth and managing, you know, your alopecia from a young girl to now and like where did where does the medicine side weave in and I know it sounds like you kind of overcompensated in medicine which I think all probably med students and doctors do because <laughs> it's like a crazy job a crazy um, profession but how does that all tie together mm. wow yeah um um I don't know it happened very automatically because the more I understood the what is really real like uh, the the reality is not the reality that we think and the reality is something that we cannot put a you know point a finger at like um I, as I started to see that I also started to you, you know you don't just counsel for uh become or you know sometimes it's more like you become sympathetic of people's stories but you can also help them reflect on their lives and make them see it more and more clearly what is it in their life that's becoming a pattern you know you don't become this i mean i don't see uh, earlier i remember i would see when I was working 60 to 70 patients a day, but I would hardly have a soulful conversation with them. I would be seeing them for five minutes, seven minutes. But now I talk to a new patient for two hours and try and understand the whole, you know, how, 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 how is this the worldview for that person? And what is the perspective that person looks, life, looks at life with? So it's it's a big game changer for me because I don't I don't run behind seeing more patients. I run I I rather focus on that how connected and how I can really be of help, not just from a medical perspective, like not just for prescribing remedies, but help that person heal by himself or herself. You know, so it's not hand holding, but it's more like providing that space, that open space where you sort of uh, let them see their awareness, with awareness, their own lives, and also let them know that your life is not just this. It's much more than this. So I think I have I have a very beautiful doctor-patient relationship. It's I, I know so many of my patients converse so much uh, more openly with me, more personally with me, and it's it's more like the whole family comes to me. So I know the family dynamics, and I know who the relationships and how they're interacting with each other. And I think I can help them better in this way, mm. because you know we all influence each other when we are staying in a family in India. We all stay together. It's it's not like. Once I'm 13, I'm out of the house. I still live with my parents. And 
so it's everyday sadhana because what they think is different what i think is different the way i look at life is different and it's it's with everybody it's not just with me i'm, I'm sure it's with everybody so um like you know they would call me up and um tell me that um it's not working with my father or it's not working with my mother and can you help me and i don't really interfere in the situations but i i can see that it's something uh in them that's making it difficult for them to have a beautiful relationship with somebody so um it's more like leading them with a certain awareness that you're not limited to just this thing you know you're much more than that so it's it's very open it's very it's a very expanded uh thing for me and it's also very interwoven with uh because homeopathy also acts at that subtle level you know it's not just physical symptoms and prescribing medicine on physical symptoms it's much more deep and subtle and that's why when i research on these different um holy waters like the ganges or the mansarovar or even the prasha lake uh water um it, it, the the experiments are also deeper the research is also deeper because i'm seeing how the pattern is manifesting in a human being how the energy is flowing in a human being uh it's not just what affects physically it's also the emotions the perceptions the reactions the the imagination that come with that substance so it's really deep and um, and also you don't hold on to it very tightly you know right like i'm this homeopath doing this you know you, you don't even hold on to that tightly because what is it it's just it doesn't become your life it's just a part of your life you know it's helped me a lot in uh, i really feel settled when i started attending satsangs for uh, online during the lockdown um 11 to 1 is a big practice time right but i sort of didn't mind that i changed the way you know i changed i rescheduled my whole day so that i could be in satsang and uh, in fact it it my practice really flourished i didn't feel that it was sort of compensating work hours anywhere so uh, it's been really amazing to uh, from that perspective to to live life from that perspective yeah i can also relate to having the the time or the sadhana flourish because of zoom satsangs like where usually you think oh i can only go to satsang if i'm in the ashram if i'm in kulu and then just what a blessing in disguise it was for all the all the satsangis all over the world so i can totally relate to that and um i'm actually really curious to hear more about the work that you're doing with the holy waters and like how i'm guessing that that kind of came to you and that pra- like that part of your practice when you um we started checking in the Himalayas more often and I know you did express that you had some personal transformation because of the mountains or like in the mountains so is that yeah. tied together um i think it, it um i think it this the sort of the spiritual journey became more and more deeper because i started hiking you know when you're walking in the mountains uh you're looking at the landscape and 
uh, from a distance, right? And uh, you look at like these vast spaces and it's also like looking at your life's landscape in these vast, vast spaces, you know, it really sort of changed my whole vision of, it just made me more sort of detached from what I, I thought I was in control of everything, you know? So you just you just live in more and more freedom it's so the weather is unpredictable you don't know where you would stay you always uh, never get the cleanest of toilets <laughs> you know and sometimes it's out in the open and uh, sometimes you might be delayed uh, in a hike not everybody is walking in the same pace as you are or you're slower somebody's faster it's so much um, and then you have like because you're totally cut off from your life, uh, so to say, the routine life, you you get a chance to look at things uh, in a in a much um, in like as if from a third person's perspective. So that really opened me. Yeah, that really uh, opened me up um, to look at my own life. And then it's just that you don't hold on to things so much. I think that's important. And yes, working with waters was amazing because, you know, in homeopathy, you uh, it's not animal provings. When when you're when you're bringing up a medicine or when you're exploring medicinal powers, you take the remedy or you sit with with the energy of the remedy and see what it's speaking to you. And it happens over and over again in different groups with different kind of people. And then you bring up all this data and then you see how it would help anybody uh, in what kind of disease conditions are. So it's not, it's not um, biochemical chemistry, you know, like uh, you treat this, uh, this joint pain and you give this water, you know, it's not like that. It's much more broader and, much more spiritual too because these remedies open up uh, like I remember when I was doing my work on the pressure lake water it was um, more heart opening so I, I felt as if my heart and uh, heart chakra was opening you know and it was um, when I when we did the Dead Sea water experiment I thought my um, my top chakra and my um, root chakras were opening. So it was so much deeper. I mean, I could talk for hours about them. But um, they also sort of, um, I think I think everything just came together. The whole spiritual journey, walking with the waters, walking in the mountains. It was such a beautiful, uh, you know, interwoven design and I then came to Kulu. So I think it was, uh, I felt like it's such a drastic and a swift change for me to feeling so caged in my own body because of my hair and then suddenly freeing myself from all of it and being totally free of the way I look at life now. I, I love that expression of how, it all ties together and it does all weave together and those moments I think we've all experienced them or not all of us but maybe those that would listen to a podcast like this those 
kind of moments of clarity where like all the confusion, all the struggle, all the pain, it's like, okay, it was leading me up to this moment, to this mountaintop, to this view <laughs> where you're just like, okay, it's all fine. And I think that those experiences are what help us navigate the next hard time because, yeah, you know, we have that grace after the revelation or after meeting the teacher or after like having those openings and those experiences where, um, yeah, it's so same for all of us. It's all same. You know, we all as humans, we can relate yeah. to those experiences. And I, I also think it's so inspiring that your work and that your homeopathy practice, I mean, I know homeopathy in general is like so such a subtle, powerful medicine, but that it sounds like it's just like an extension of your sadhana is your yeah. medical practice and your spiritual practice. It's all just practice. Yeah. It's just life. And um, yeah. your patients must feel that and res resonate with that vibration which you carry. Just to wrap up, I was wondering if you could speak to us a little bit about your personal practices. Like, I know you're a meditator, you're a hiker. Just for those that are listening that, you know, because I'm coming from like a Hatha Yoga background. So for me, like my practice is like a certain way and everybody has a certain spiritual practice. And I know for me, it's a daily practice. And I'm wondering if you could just speak on the on that level, like what does your spiritual practice look like and what's the most powerful for you? I know you obviously do, do satsang daily, but what else What else does it look like for you? Like do you, say, do you sing mantras now again that you have diff, like what is that all? Yeah, yeah, I think it's very individual for everybody what works and there are so many tools. Um, personally, um, chanting really helps me and um, I, I did start start chanting again and um, but what really helps me is because I'm such a like I'm a bookaholic you know like I don't know how to how to pronounce it I just love books so um, reading books is my is is really what drives me um, it could be scriptures it could be Ramana Maharishi's books I love his talks um talks with ramana i love uh, reading the bhagavad gita um i've just started reading the bhagavad gita i'm i'm not so much into it but I re but i like swami ji's books i like reading kabir's dohas because i i like poetry and uh, i mean i like reading in general so i'm inspired by a lot of uh, spiritual masters like nisardat maharaj hmm. um and um a lot of Swamiji's books. Um, so, and, and I think once you, once you're open, inspiration automatically comes to you. I, I also read a lot of um, uh, uh, books by Buddha and Thich Nhat Hanh and um, uh, uh, a lot of Tibetan books. Uh, I mean, I, I, I'm a gatherer of books, you know, I would <laughs> rather shop for books than shop for clothes. So I, I take inspiration from wherever it comes. But reading has been a constant practice apart from attending uh, satsang, of course. And meditating, yes, I make sure at least twice a day for, for 
15 minutes i close my eyes and i sit with myself um and um, i learned a lot of techniques from the monk who i was introduced to as uh, as a as a young student uh, so i do use few of them like um focusing on the breath that really helps me like uh, kumbhak really helps me and then he introduced me to something called as box breathing so you focus on the in breath the pause between the in breath and out breath the out breath and the pause between the out breath and the next in breath and uh, it, it, it i usually start my meditation practice with that four or five rounds of that and then meditate for at least you know if it's a busy work day at least 9 minutes 7 minutes a day but it uh, i feel it's so uh, energizing and uh, now i can't even live without it like initially i had to push myself to do it and you know be inspired by listening to people and listening to satsang or with people in kulu but now it's become very automatic it comes to me naturally and and i don't really um i don't have a fix sort of this is something that's amazing i if if there i'm an opportunist you know so i would i would explore everything so i love exploring everything and see what works for me yes well i think it is a natural tendency for sadaks have that curiosity i can definitely relate to that as well and speaking of the books i'm also like a bookie i love reading scriptures and finding inspiration everywhere and i think it just ties back into what you were expressing before like just the importance of good company the importance of like and accompanying meaning you know not just friends but also the sages that we just they're yeah. there with us we use the scriptures we use yeah. the words to consume yeah. the content which feeds the practice which feeds the inspiration yeah. to keep going in the year 2022 and we can look back mm-hmm. and read those poets that poetry and read those scriptures or you know in the wisdom and is timeless and the truth is timeless yeah. so it's yeah. Yeah. i can really relate and, to that yeah and one and i also you know um this so much is available in india um i mean all these scriptures and all the lessons from all these mahatmas who were there in india and who've graced this land i also feel very proud when when i start understanding spirituality in this sense to be able to you know i remember before i came to kulu and started listening to swami ji i read this book called advait bodh dipika and it was a gift from a friend and i didn't understand it at all it was it is like one of the books simplest books for non duality but as i started listening to swami ji i then i reread the book and i i've read it now over and over again and every time i read it it gives me so much more depth and meaning so the grace is that you can understand it right otherwise earlier i couldn't understand the book i had all this knowledge and i knew about all these amazing sages and inspiring people here but i couldn't understand them unless it's something inside you unfolds and then uh, you sort of become a receptacle for all these uh, inspirations around you mhm 
It's like um, when it's expressed of like the difference between listening and hearing. I guess it's the same with like, you know, just reading words or actually actually absorbing the knowledge yeah. to the core of the yeah. being, which yeah. it's it only hap- opens when it's time to open, I guess. Yeah. So just yeah. to wrap up, could you um, leave us with any final words of wisdom, any uh, final thoughts for all the curious yogis out there? Just to follow their heart, just to follow their calling. If not to be satisfied with an answer, you know, just because you can't find the right person or you don't feel that, you know, you have a certain sense in you which says, no, I don't think that this really answers my questions. And when you you keep seeking that someday, like I got lucky and I got blessed by, by meeting people in Kulu or meeting uh, people in my life, um, you will, you know, you keep the keep the fire of the questioner or keep the fire of the seeker alive in you, and not let it sort of dwindle or extinguished because of life and life situations and work and you know all that so yeah that's my message to keep the fire inside us all alive the fire of knowledge alive in us i think that's a really powerful message because the world everywhere is giving us the impression that no just do what you're told essentially you know just <laughs> live the status quo like you said before like you know get married and do this and have the job and tick, tick, tick. And so rare is the person that even has the fire. So I think it's a good message to leave us with that we should not only keep the fire, but keep stoking the fire and just surrounding ourselves with others that keep inspiring it. So I think it's a good point for us to end. And if people want to connect with you online, um, where, where can they find you? They could just write me an email because I love conversing personally rather than, you know, just, you know, like a superficial connection. So they could write me an email on R-I-N-A-D-E-D-H-I-Y-A at gmail.com or um, follow my meditation and hiking page on Instagram, Unplugged Trails. Great, and I'll put the link in for the unpluggedtrails.net in the show notes as well. And um, I'm sure in the future you guys will be back trekking and VJ will be with you and you guys will make an epic resurgence. So that'll be great. So thank you so much, Rina. It's been such a beautiful talk and... I'm just keep coming back to like the shop of joy that the monk was the shop of joy, but you're also the shop of joy. And that's just the sense I got from today. So thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I love you. I love you too. Thanks for listening to this episode of a curious Yogi podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard, please leave a review on iTunes. It really, really helps the show reach more people or share on social And of course, follow on your favorite podcast platforms so you don't miss an episode. I appreciate the love and I appreciate you. Let's stay curious, connected, and keep walking the yogi's path together. In oneness and delight, 
This is Bobby signing off until next time.